Uh, literature is culture. Culture is trash. You open up a bag of trash, you see a lot of different kinds of trash, you know? I guess, uh, hi everybody, and welcome to the 76th Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I'm going to be hosting this time, which is not what I usually do. Usually Alex Jaffe does that, and I guess he's going to be a a panelist, do we call them that now, instead? And uh, we also have... Yeah, that's that's the nomenclature. Yeah, alright. And we've we've also got Jim Crawford, who made that Frog Fractions, and also... Worked on uh, Gunhouse with me, and uh, and so yeah. So the the thing that we do, Jim, is is we uh, introduce ourselves and then we say a specific thing. And I've 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 forgotten to think of a specific thing. I'm gonna okay. I'm, I'm Brandon Sheffield. A little bit more specificity than that. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting in there. Um, okay. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and the last. Uh, anime I watched an episode of was Pat Labor, the TV series. Oh, Pat Labor. My name is uh, Tim Rogers. Uh, I'm Alex Jeff. Okay. <laughs> wow. Dude. Jaffe, you lagged? Or am I lagged? You, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just continue with mine. Jaffe, <laughs> since you're usually the host, uh, you're, you have to go last. <laughs> Are, are you okay, Jaffe? Okay, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm Tim Rogers, and the last anime I watched an episode of was Initial D. Yeah. Because I watch Initial D sometimes while I'm eating my food. Because it's stupid, and I like it. I'm Jim Crawford, and the last anime I watched was... Um, I don't know how to pronounce the full name, but part... Oh, I know that one. <laughs> no, that's it was Magica Madoka. I enjoyed uh, it. You, uh, you disappeared for a second there. Jim. Yeah. Did I? You're back. Am I back? Um, you're back. Uh, sounds like a bandwidth yeah. thing. I'm not sure what I'm to do about Al- that. We'll power through. I'm Alex Jaffe, and the last episode of an anime I saw was actually also Pat Labor. Oh, uh, Pat Labor. Yeah, I'm just starting that for the first time. The OVAs, not the TV series. Yeah, the OVAs. Yeah. Did you guys know that that Attack on Titan anime manga, or whatever they call those, Japanimation, that people keep talking about? That mm-hmm. everybody in the world has been talking about for like a year is on Netflix now. The full no, series. No, I did not know. Is yeah, it, I was I was just informed yesterday. So does maybe it have I'll... the subs? Yes, because apparently enough people complain about anime not having subtitles on Netflix, and Netflix actually looks at Twitter or something, and they decided to not do it that way anymore. That's nice. I, yeah, for one, neat? liked it better when it was called Kurt Vonnegut's Sirens of Titan. Oh, yeah, that one. I've read that book. I met that guy once. He was all right. Really? I telling people that. Yeah, it's my the full story that I have about Kurt Vonnegut. The last Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut book I read was Mother Night. I read that one as well. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, so I guess maybe we get started. Yeah. Sure. Did I did I miss any of the preliminaries? I, I don't think it matters. Uh, uh, sometimes I go over the rules, but sometimes I gloss over it. Oh yeah, I may as well talk about the rules. Why the heck not? So uh, for Jim's benefit, the rules are: we talk about 
one question for six minutes, and then we move on, and then we talk about another question, and that's it. That's pretty simple. Yeah. Then we get to a lightning round at the end, and we, we do that fast question style. All right, so I'm going to start with uh, question number one. Why not? Seems like a good place to yeah, get going. Uh, so this is something I've been thinking about. You know, Jaffe likes these Kingdom Hearts games, and uh, <laughs> okay. and we we got we got these uh, Skylanders games out there, and we got this Disney Universe. Um, how how does one go about bringing disparate worlds together into a single cohesive narrative and story? Where you've got, I mean, like what what is the best tactic to take? Do you take everyone out of their element and put them in a different place, or do you try to actually you know, retrofit these characters' timelines into each other. Uh, what, what's, what's the best way to go about this without ruining everything? Well, I think the best way is to pretend that they were all kind of the same thing the whole time. That, uh, no, we're not just patching this together right now. Uh, world's a big place. You could have a whole bunch of things going on at the same time at different places at different times. Just say, oh yeah, this yeah. guy was here. Trying to think, make sense of some, of two things that don't make sense together. I mean, that that often leads to really interesting conclusions. Yeah. I think the uh, the ultimate answer is that uh, uh, literature is culture. Culture is trash, and uh, <laughs> you open up a bag of trash, you see a lot of different kinds of trash. You know, that's all I got. That's it. So a crossover is basically a compost heap. It's a compost heap. It's just a kind of a festering, just a whole bunch of trash, just kind of making smells and looking gross. And, so uh, Disney Universe is a trash compactor. It is. Disney Infinity, you mean? or Disney, Disney Infinity. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of... I mean, I could argue that uh, something like Skylanders is the same sort of thing as Kingdom Hearts, even though it's supposedly one world, right? Mm -hmm. Like all the characters exist in one world. But, I mean, how cohesive is that world, really? They're just kind of designing toys and throwing together. Same thing with uh, Pokemon. They're just kind of flopping stuff together. The idea is, like Jaffe says, uh, they seem like they kind of belong in one thing. Uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts does a quote-unquote good job of, uh, ma of making the characters all seem like they exist in the same world. So, I mean, just make it just operate under the presumption that they all belong together to begin with. Yeah, and the the only people you're going to have trouble with are the crazy super fans, though. And those are going to be the people that are the most vocal because they're going to be like, yeah, but you missed the fact that in 1942 this guy did this thing which counteracts that. Well, yeah, then if it turns out this is Zorro. If it what? turns out that's really hard. Fish Out of Water stories are really fun, too. Yeah. It's true. Uh, I mean, I I think I kind of I prefer the clashes to the cohesiveness, but uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't I don't know if that really jives with. Like, if I were actually tasked with something like this, what I would probably do is look at individual character pairings, see how these two characters from because presumably anybody in the same universe, if this, these universes have been around in a storytelling sense for a long time, all those. It, they've, they've explored, writers have explored all the possible pairings, but if you look at two universes put together, look at the cross-universe pairings, what, it, what characters will interact in an interesting way, uh, yeah. and you explore that. Um, I think the best kind of 
it's not exactly a one of these sorts of things that's completely out of world, but that that cartoon comic strip, what's it, that put, you know, uh, Goofy and uh, Donald and Mickey into kind of a mid midlife crisis comic. Oh yeah, that was. Oh yeah, that one's good. Oh yeah, the Disney Pals Grown Up or whatever it was called. Yeah, Disney Pals was, Grown Up. That's what it was called. I think I think it was called Disney Pals Grown Up, and uh, and it 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 really just it took those those guys and used them as a vehicle to tell a common story, common characters to tell a common story, and that that worked to. Like I don't even care about those characters, but I cared more about those characters because they were telling that story, and I think that's. That's that's the way that I would like to see that kind of stuff happen, but it's really hard when you're doing that with 200 characters, I guess. Yep. I think uh, I don't know if it's easier or harder to make a world seem coherent because the characters are all uh, what do you call it? Iconographic uh, mm-hmm. fiction Re- recognizable. characters, recognizable Disney characters. Because uh, I mean, one of my favorite ideas to sit around thinking about is uh, uh, this game idea I have called tentatively titled Shakespeare Hearts and uh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. about you have to visit all of the Shakespearean worlds and uh, you have, you're have you like an anime kid with a gun and you have to like shoot dudes who are trying to take down the Shakespearean tragic heroes and you have to like fight with them and your partners are, uh, are Sherlock Holmes and George Bernard Shaw mm-hmm. which I think is really cool I really want to make that game. And uh, I think it would be cool because in that case, I'd get to design all of my... my You know, I'd get to mastermind the design of all the characters. So it's like they could easily all fit into a world. Whereas something like a game that doesn't get a lot of credit as being a Kingdom Hearts-like is uh, the Dynasty Warriors series. Um, yeah. I, I majored in Chinese history and literature and all that crap in college, believe it or not. And... Uh, most of those characters didn't ever see each other or talk to each other or fight each other or live mm-hmm. at the same time or within 20 or 30 years of one another. So it's it's kind of uh, funny that... And I mean, they've, and Lord knows their culture did not produce any outfits that looked like that or <laughs> beards that looked like that. or I mean, they didn't wear dirt bike gear and uh, Adidas shoes and have the mohawks and stuff that they have in those video games. So... I mean that you know, so it's like that's that to me is kind of that's a way to do, uh, to throw together disparate worlds is to make it stuff that people know it's real. People are drawn like I think part of the draw to a Dynasty Warriors game in say the United States of America is that it's like well I know that these characters are real, you know they're like I I know that these characters are based on historical figures. And that makes me think it's sophisticated, so I'm going to play this. And it's like they're not really thinking about it as stuff thrown together. Uh, we, Sometimes we, we got to move on, Jaffe. All right, fine. No. Oh no! It's time for the next question. TNQ. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Way Forward has just announced that they're uh, going to plop out another video game. In this case based on Wonder Momo, which is a kind of mediocre game for the PC engine. I don't particularly it's, it's care about mediocre, yeah. I don't particularly care about the Wonder Momo franchise, but I am kind of sad that WayForward is making a game based on it. 
Um, which and led looks, me to think it looks what? It looks to have uh, you know their trademark production values where it yes. looks it looks like a tasty thing that you wish you could enjoy. Yes, exactly. You know? So this this led me to wonder: Is there a game series? Because lately, WayForward has been doing a lot of that kind of contract work. Is there a game series that they could make without ruining? So I think the the things that would it would need to be something where art over mechanics is part of it, and it doesn't matter if it has good level design, uh, but looking nice is very important. So what 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 series could they? What kind of a game? Not kind of game. What game could they remake or make a sequel to that they would not ruin? Well, first, I just want to ask, uh, didn't Nintendo already remake uh, Wonder Momo when they made Super Princess Peach? Not really. Oh, because she's a peach and she's super. Yeah, I get get that joke now. That was a good (laughs) Japanese language joke. It's an okay joke, I guess. Uh, Your criteria there, I think, um, the genre that best best fits that is the brawler. Mm-hmm. Like the arcade style, like the like the old Simpsons game, for example. Yeah, it's true, and that's probably why one of the games that people dislike the least of theirs is that Batman Brave and the Bold game, because it is, it's a pretty simple brawler that had an, uh, an okay writer doing the story, uh, and it had nice art. So uh, let's give them battle toads. They also made a double dragon game, although I haven't played that. That one they managed to make really bad. I actually uh, just deleted that from my PlayStation 3 today. Yeah. They they because I was they, downloading some PlayStation Plus games and I was like I need to get rid of some space and I don't like this game. I mean they tr- they tried to make it mechanically interesting, which was their that was the problem. They they uh they tried to do something cool with it, which is not something that they understand how to do. But the yeah, the the mechanically interesting part was just really bad. It was like press the dodge button during like this gleam, uh, like when an enemy does like a wind up, and uh, kill like do a wind up, and then you press the dodge button to dodge, like during the gleaming starburst in his fist, and then that'll put. Your, that'll make your character flash, and now you do like four times as much damage, so you can kill the guy in like two hits. So you just kind of walk around like waiting for a guy to do like a wind-up attack with a baseball bat, so you can tap the button and then be able to kill him in four hits. So it's like instead of punching and punching and grabbing and kicking and jumping, you're waiting and waiting and dodging when it's time to dodge, and it's just horrendously unsatisfying. I, I feel like uh, WayForward's wheelhouse is uh, properties where the iconography is more important than the quality of the medium itself. Uh, so I it's think a, Battle... yeah, the, Hey, remember the 90s crowd. Right, so Battletoads, I think, would be ideal. It's yeah, a property I think with... that uh, everybody has this weird fondness for, for some reason. The game that game actually even though is a terrible uh, game, yes. Th- yes, the uh, video game community at large, Brandon. Which is the at-large community. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Not not us in our ivory tower. Uh, so it's not like they could make it any worse than it was. Uh, why the heck not? Yeah, I think uh, it's possible they could make a Battletoads game better as long as they don't. Uh, as long as number one, it's an original game, 
And number two, they don't try to make it like super hard. Yeah. Because uh, let's not make Battletoads remastered. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Battletoads remastered would make me throw up. But they they could probably do that one. And it's like, uh, you know, why not, right? Yeah. Just go ahead and make that. I don't care. Yeah. But if if they <laughs> if they did uh, a Battletoads remastered, I would get. Uh, I, I would get uh, Lorenzo Music if he wasn't dead to do one of the frogs. I'd oh, get yeah. uh, Ray Romano to get one of the frogs. Oh yeah, and yeah. for Bobcat Goldthwait. Yes, Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> Bob, B B B B C G T. Um, so I want to say one thing about Ducktales Remastered. More like Sucktales Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Knocked it out of the park. That's oh right. my god, that's a grr and slam. I re- I recently started a uh, a thread on a forum that said uh, that was called Wonder No No. So that's my oh, contribution to that. Baby, yeah. I thought, I thought my Super Princess Peach joke was pretty good, guys. Yeah, that was pretty good as well. Super Princess Peach was really bad. That was Tose. That was the yeah. the, the criminal minds at Tose at it again. Tose is like kind of the way forward of Japan. But how does that work, though? I don't know. They're better. They're <laughs> they're they're better, and they've done they've done oh. they've done some more. They've done a lot more things, and they've done some things that were pretty good. It's just one wonders how that came to pass. Yeah, and it's I mean, way forward is is on their way forward to uh, having done as much stuff as Tose to be it's sure. They're uh, they're getting there. They're they're making a lot of stuff over there. Okay, you know, I'm a, oh, way, go ahead. way forward should make a uh, Dynasty Warriors game which focuses on which focuses on Sao campaign. Oh, they could probably make Dynasty Warriors feel better. <laughs> Dynasty <laughs> Warriors is one of the worst feeling games I've ever played because of the way Dynasty. I get it. Yeah, there you go. The way, yeah. Oh my God. I just I just watched a movie about the way dynasty. It starred Jackie Chan. Oh, so. JC. Yeah. Wait, which one? Which movie? Uh, that was Little Big Soldier. Little, I, I was gonna say, is it Little Big Soldier? God darn he, it! That's in my was, Netflix instant queue. Yeah, it's pretty fun. He was fighting against the way army in that case, but not very hard. Um, I'm gonna ask our next question now. In queue, I'm gonna do. Yeah. And, uh, so, I was talking with uh, some some folks on the tweets today about how I realized, probably a lot of people realized this a lot a lot longer ago than I did, that the the Dreamcast with the VMU was kind of going for a very similar thing uh, that Nintendo is going for with its Wii U, um, and in in that you know the they both have they display different information on the controller than you see on the screen and you can interact with that information uh it's got a, a, it's a, also a little game system that you can take with you and do some stuff and then bring that back into the game but the VMU was pretty underutilized some of the best things that people did with it were like in those NBA 2K games in those 2Ks they had secret play uh, uh, sorry, NFL 2K. I'm sorry. Uh, they had secret plays that you could do, like you could you could do the plays on your little VMU, so that your opponent couldn't see what plays you were you were putting in, which was pretty cool. And in 
uh, silent scope. They had a, a sniper um, reticle that you could snipe enemies with. It gave you a, the greater detail view. And uh, and in, what was it, uh, Unreal Tournament 3, I think, it gave you a warning beep when something was happening because the VMU had that annoying beep. So my question yeah. is, what things would you have done with that technology? What what would be good to do with a VMU uh, if if people had thought about it a little more? You're talking about the VMU, right? Yeah, I'm right. talking about the VMU. Oh, okay. Just the making sure. That thing? <clears throat> the resolution was extremely. You can count it with your eyeballs. Low. It Whatever was like. It was. Yeah, I think it was like five. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, really low. It's uh, I I can get it for you in just a second. I just like off the cuff, like forty by twenty or something. It was forty-eight by thirty-two. Oh, four eight by three two. It had an eight bit CPU and a hundred KBs of flash memory, uh, but only uh, only hundred uh, K of that could be used for data storage. So um, the rest of it is system use. So that's what you got. I, I would port Doom to Dreamcast, but the uh, VMU screen would just be your face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes. That'd be pretty good. Yes. That's it. That's the winner. <laughs> That's basically it. Like you would you would you'd port it and then you would uh hype it on the back of the box with uh there's no uh it would just, <laughs> it would just be no no UI to clutter the screen. It's all on the the VMU and it's just your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's you don't even know how much ammo you have in the game. <laughs> That's it. Thing. Just because there's no, yeah, it's just it's a full immersive experience. Oh man, fully immersive eyes entertainment. F I E is what it would be. Yeah. Fee. Any other I figured, ideas? Like, there was, I mean, I, I mean, I can think of some more stuff. There was some stuff on the the Dreamcast that I, I mean, that that VMU. I feel like it could have been something. Yeah. And it's there was never anything. There was like the little Chow mini game for Sonic Adventure, but who even knew how to do anything in that? You yeah. know, like when you take the VMU out, like it didn't feel like you were doing anything. It was it was somehow worse than a Tamagotchi. I mean, that was the whole idea was that your game controller has a Tamagotchi in it, right? That was yeah. like that was probably their internal pitch for it. I feel like if you could have had an RPG that had some sort of little cup and ball game or whatever that you play on the VMU to grind your experience points, and you could, like, level your dude up. I don't yeah, see how that is. That, that continues your investment in the game when you're away from the game. Yeah. All I can think of is, like, backporting Nintendo Land minigames. Like, for some reason, my mind won't leave that idea. Oh, yeah, man. That could be a thing. I, I was thinking, like, it would it would be nice if in those kinds of two-player games where you have to wait for the other player's turn to be over, a la Super Mario Brothers, you could you could have... Just let them play Tetris on the VMU in the oh, meantime. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The VMU had a lot of uh, little technical concerns about it, though, didn't it? It's like the, the battery... What was the battery? The battery situation was weird. Yeah, batteries yeah. were went out real fast. That's why usually when you turn on your Dreamcast, you hear a beep sound if you have a VMU plugged yeah. in telling you that it's out of 
the watch battery that it will chew through in a couple days. Yeah. Could, could you power it in, with the controller itself? Nope. No. That's that was probably the most unfortunate part. The controller would not power it. I think Sega was a bunch of old dudes just being like, "Yeah, just do it. Let's just get it out there. Let's just just make it, man. I don't, it, I don't care." It would have been cool to do something like a, I don't know, a versus RPG where you have a little rock paper scissors mini game and you're you're, you know, you're trying to outfox your opponent by choosing it on the VMU where they can't see but you can and the action takes place on the screen. Something like that would be cool. Yeah. There were certainly some things you could do with it. I, I just think that it should have been a no-brainer for a game like Skies of Arcadia to have a uh, you-can-grind levels on your VMU. Like a little right. tiny little tiny puzzle you can play. Yeah. Little tiny, like stupid as, you know, dumb as a box of rocks kind of puzzle game. The Bioshock hacking puzzles. Yeah, yeah, just little tiny puzzles that maybe I get some experience points every time, or maybe I get some gold for playing them, and balance a game around that. But the thing was, and I mean, you know, you hear people talk about business, and they use words like synergy and integration and all that, and it's like they didn't force anybody to buy a VMU, you know? Yeah. They didn't really, really encourage you to buy one was the problem. Yeah, they well, didn't sell is, it hard enough. This is the problem that Nintendo tried to solve by making it part of the system, and that's what's killing them now. Yeah. Or, it's giving them the know, troubles. If you're playing a fighting game, it could be a little uh, cheat sheet for combos. Oh, hey, Brandon, speaking of things that require you to look at screens and uh, have information not visible to everybody, uh, that Zelda Four Swords game from yeah. Game Boy Advance era, yeah. uh, which was actually really neat because everybody had their own screen and you had to sit around talking to each other while you were playing through the levels, and it was more of an action-oriented Zelda, is free on the Nintendo 3DS eShop right now. Oh, maybe so, I'll give it a get. Yeah, so the thing is, if you get it, you need four players to play it. So I would play it. All right, let's do and it. I'm pretty sure David Hillman would play it. And then let's uh, make it happen. We could we could get a fourth person to play that with us. Okay, I'm going to move that. on to the next question. Oh, yeah, right. Jim, you can that play was, it. That was a good reminder for that. I, I'm going to download that myself. Okay, so uh, another thing what I've been thinking about is I was playing that Ninja 5.0 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, have you played that game? I have not. It's a, it's, it's a Game Boy Advance game where you are a ninja and you have a set of moves and everything is very precise and it's built for speedrunning and it's hard but in a very extremely fair way. It's a very precise kind of a game. Right, okay. And it's and uh, the levels are there are there are only uh, five of them and they're all very meticulously designed. And it was it was designed by this guy named Gen Suzuki and he's never made any other good things <laughs> before or after. And but he's made uh, a bunch of bad things. He's made a he's he's worked on some like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Terrible ports and uh, and just like some some random things. He tried to do another thing with a guy that had a rope, but it was for iOS and it wasn't really amazing. And so, oh, I, I remember started, that one. Yeah, I started thinking like, do people occasionally luck into success, or or was that guy? Did he get to do his magnum opus and then he's been stymied ever since, and it wasn't a big seller, and so they put him back in the box, or 
or or what? Like, do do you think that people accidentally do something great? Like, what, Gunstar Heroes, I think, was ninety nine percent on purpose. Uh, yeah, the good yes. things they did in that game, but but sometimes you you start to look at something or look at a person's career and think maybe they did a good game by accident this time. Uh, usually, uh, uh, it's it's almost impossible to do everything right when it's when you're talking about a, a game as complex as what you're describing. I can't yeah. imagine somebody doing all of those decisions correctly accidentally. Uh, for I mean, you were talking before about and this is not in the podcast. It was about like a, a racing an LCD racing game. Mm-hmm. But like a two-button game where the little cars blip at you. Yeah. And I think something like that is about as complicated as it can get, where you can do everything right without knowing what you're doing. Yeah. But certainly, like you can totally luck into things, uh, luck into good decisions, and then notice that they're good decisions and follow up on them. I think that happens all the time. Yeah. I agree with that. I think uh, it's in. I see it happening more. I see this kind of scenario happening more often in Japan, and it really could just be a Japan thing, yeah. where the guy got his one shot to direct a game, and uh, and that that was it for him. Now he's back to the window seat or whatever. Yeah, I think more often than not, it comes down to a bureaucracy thing in Japan, where it's just they let somebody be in charge. And also, how do we really know it was him? You know, how do we know it was his uh, his effort? Yeah, I worked. Well, for the, a f- what? Sorry, I was just going to say quickly, in that case, I actually I actually tried to do the research there, and that game was made by, like, nine people, of, uh, of which he was the designer, director, and producer, so it was... it. But, you know, it still could have been him taking credit for someone else's work. It's possible. Yeah, it could have been the level designers and the programmers just got stuff right. Yeah. You know, it could have just been, like... Uh, it was came down to the programmer making stuff feel good. You know? um, what comes to mind for me is uh, Pokemon Snap, uh, a game which oh, doesn't really feel yeah, it doesn't really feel like anybody's vision, and is kind gives you the impression that it was kind of a cash in title, mm-hmm. uh, but it's got some interesting mechanics in there for uh, just a game that isn't about fighting, uh, a game that's about uh, exploring an environment and being a part of it. And uh, it's got stuff in it that really hasn't been totally implemented in the ways it should be in uh, so many years later. I feel like there's a lot to mine in that uh, dumb little accident of the game. You know, I kind of wonder if, like, are we giving Warren Spector too much credit? Because he, you know, he did that, he worked on that Deus Ex, but how much of that was really... Warren Spector. Now that we go down the line and look at his subsequent releases, you know, right. like yes. definitely the the team is huge. Yeah, when the team is is that big, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say who's doing what. Mm-hmm. And making making it the good times. Yeah, notably Warren Spector himself has actually told like people in the press not to credit him specifically with his games. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. If you think yeah, I think that's a little bit of that creative guilt where he's like, man, maybe it, maybe it really was all these other guys. And maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I couldn't have done this. So right. Maybe I like. I mean, it it feels like, oh man, it 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 feels like. And I mean, I I've tried to be a creative person for most of my life, and I've never really, never actually fully successfully felt like one, which is 
kind of something I struggle with. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, you come to the end of a creative endeavor thinking, maybe I wasn't the instrumental factor in this. And then at the end of that, you're like, what do I really want to be? What kind of psycho would I be if, if that ruined it for me? And uh, yesterday I was reading an interview uh, that uh, Greg Moore uh, from Capcom Unity had posted on Twitter. He posted an interview with the director of Strider, mm -hmm. who made no, like Strider the arcade game. Yeah. Uh, he made no games other than that that were famous at all before or after Strider. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of really interesting stuff in there that he said. Uh, like, he talked about how uh, Capcom needed a game, right? And they had their new CPS arcade hardware, and they were making uh, Dai Makai Mura, which is uh, superior Nihongo for ghouls and ghosts, mm -hmm. right? Not ghosts and goblins. But uh, they were making that, and then, there they, like, Strider was to be the other killer app game, and uh, they didn't know what the game would be. They just knew that one of them would be a sequel to Ghosts and Goblins, right? And then they needed to make another game with the same hardware and the same general uh, feel was the idea, even though, obviously, Strider doesn't really feel anything like that. And uh, the bosses got, like, a hotel room at a fancy hotel, and they, like, locked up... Not locked up, but they, they told the whole staff of the other game to just go sit in this room and uh, the director Strider was like, I want to make a game about a ninja, you know? And he's like, I think it would be cool to have a ninja. And people were like, well, there's already Shinobi, and that's about a ninja. And then he's like, yeah, but we can set it during uh, modern times. Because he said he looked outside the window at Shinjuku, and there's all these skyscrapers. And he's like, look how high-tech this looks. What if it takes place in a high-tech city of the future? And uh, they're like, yeah, I guess. And they sat around writing like a whole story about this ninja and this elite group of assassins. And then uh, the two teams broke apart, right? They broke into two teams, one to make an NES game, right? Yeah. And one to make an arcade game. And the NES game made a game based exactly on the story that the director of Arcade Strider wrote up, mm -hmm. right? And the director of Arcade Strider was like, well, I can't have cutscenes in this game because who's going to play an arcade game with cutscenes? And, and uh, they made something just drastically different with, like, drastically different art and, and all that. And uh, maybe that is sort of an answer to that. It's like it took some weird situation like that, knowing that another team was making it. It was just all about the environment, I guess. And again, that's a thing that, as a person attempting to be creative, terrifies me every day to think about... Uh, the fact that you might make a great thing that people like, but it all comes down to not just your team, but the environment and the atmosphere in the room and the just these little imperceptible things. And that's yeah. Strider. That's we we've 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 got to move on to the next question, but I, right. I just I just wanted to quickly add that uh, I have had that locked in a room experience when I when I had to. Uh, do a story for a game that I won't can't mention or else I'll get sued. Um, oh, yeah, you don't want to get sued. No, I don't. Um, I hadn't quite pieced the story together yet, and that was what I was supposed to be doing. And so they were like, well, what if we just put you in this room and we come back in a few hours? Will you have it then? And I was like, <laughs> well, gonna... I guess I had better. And so I did. 
I, I have a similar experience to that about a game that I'm aware I can talk about without getting sued. Uh, Shadows of the Darned by Grasshopper Manufacturer and uh, EA. Uh, I I spent maybe seven nights locked in a room with Goichi Suda. Uh, uh, seven nights uh, over the course of a year where he's like, we have to figure out what kind of game this is. <laughs> and we, we sat there and wrote, and I wrote a game design document, and at other times he wrote a story, and I wrote a game design document, and we tried to put them together, and then we made a slide presentation to show to EA, and it just kept happening over and over again because he was never satisfied with it. And uh, that was really sad because we could have used all that time to just make a dumb game that would have felt cool. I remember that time. So, next question is, yeah. uh, let's talk about surprises in games. That's something that Jim is particularly interested in and will probably cannibalize a little bit from your GDC talk that you're going to do. But uh, heck am I yeah. doing that? Are we... I'm, I'm, yeah, oh, we're doing that. Um, okay. Literally right, nobody cool. who listens to this show goes to GDC, so we're good. Yeah, right, thank goodness. Right. Um, yeah, who knows GDC, man? Who knows so, about that? I guess, what makes a good surprise in games, and how do you surprise people without leading them on, and how do you genu- genuinely surprise people without them just thinking it's trite or like, yeah, I totally knew that this was going to happen? What what is what's the uh, what are the ingredients of that? Well, it has to be released before 1997. I don't know, because Frog Fractions managed to surprise a lot of people. I well, I think the the what. So you're getting at the the game facts thing where people will just read everything about the game before it's released. Um, sure. And I think what what happened there was the Frog Fractions was so obviously about the surprise that people realized it and would not talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the other thing that I think is super important is to just trust the player. Um, I if it's not. It's not really a, a secret if everybody finds it, so you have to like you have to leave a possibility for some people to not find it, not get it. Um, it's it's so much uh, it's so much sweeter a surprise when you discover it for yourself. Jim, can I have a uh, make a confession? What's that? Um, I stopped playing Frog Fractions about four seconds in because I have this thing about really long tongues that freaks me out. <laughs> You know? How did you ever play Battletoads then? Did you just never power up? Never. You just I, never refilled your life? <laughs> so I added in an option, a toggle for eating sounds for Brandon specifically. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what I would have done about the tongue. <laughs> I just want to say about Frog Fractions that I really, really wish I had stuck with my plan to not go to the indie game meetup where you spoiled the game in front of a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. I was totally not going to go yeah. to that. I was totally oh, going to, like, see my friend in San Francisco instead. And uh, I, I should have done that, because then I would have had a much, much better experience. The game is pretty cool, though. So No, thank you. <laughs> but it's like, you spoiled that there was more to it, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, well, I, I didn't... I had no idea that anybody was going to play it at all. So I oh, like, yeah, oh, here's, yeah. Here's an audience for me. I can show it to these 30 people. That'll, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it, I, was, I, I will admit that it was because I remembered seeing it that I played it, and I'm like, I'm going to see what freaky stuff is in this game. And then you've already seen it all, yeah. 
Yeah. Except and, oh, probably yeah. not the very end of it. You hadn't seen. Well, yet. The, I definitely added added some stuff in, but like the 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 point of that game is the first surprise, and the rest yeah. of it is just like it's there to make the surprise not disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to kind of put something together knowing that it is entirely possible that people will miss the thing that is the best about your game, and you I I guess you just have to be okay with that, with yeah. with the idea that people can just not get it and move on. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to make your peace. So I remember back in the old insertcredit.com forum days, back in the early 2000s, uh, Eric John Adarak, as we know yeah. him, he uh, had this, this theory that he liked to talk about, which was uh, just kind of like a theoretical, his perfect video game would be something he referred to as an icebergvania. Have, have we ever used this word before? An no, icebergvania is like like a Castlevania game where uh, the game that you're playing, this whole Castlevania-sized game is just the tip of an iceberg where you discover something uh, in a room. And this is because Adarak was very... He loved Metroid 2 where you know you get the spider ball and you're just rolling around on ceilings and bombing ceilings and trying to and uh, every single secret in the game feels like a completely bizarre uh, accidentally hidden thing and uh, that's kind of what spoke to people a lot about the original Metroid games before Super Metroid was a little too right. noobish but uh, the, the the earlier two were just full of weirdnesses and uh, so his iceberg vania would be that there's like a whole massive game under the game, and uh, and it's a completely different game with completely different rules. And then another thing that I always think about when I think about secrets in games is, uh, you know, I mean, I think secrets are cool, and I like secrets and twists and uh, and stuff, and I like I like cheesy twists, and that's the only reason I recommend anybody play Bioshock Infinite because I think it has a hilarious story twist near the end. That just, oh, that just completely blew my mind uh, how stupid it was. And it's like, I really like stuff like that. And I mean, I also like real books, okay? But, uh, <laughs> like, the... Uh, so, I think that... I think of the WarioWare games as, like, a perfect example of uh, really awesome secrets that are just kind of wasted. They just flop them out. They just empty a garbage bag on a picnic blanket. And they're like, here you go. Here's all the little stuff. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if there were a game that were just, like, full of little games like that? And they were just, like, they just popped up out of nowhere. And it's like, now you have to do this for 20 minutes. And uh, uh, I think that kind of fits into what I think of when I think of uh, Adirac's Icebergvania. Yeah. So. I mean, one of the classic video game surprises is Symphony of the Night, where you beat the game and you're halfway through. There's a whole upside-down castle. That was so that, that. was the inspiration for Adarak's Icebergvania. He's like, what if it wasn't just an upside-down castle and it was a completely different castle? And it was also, you're a, complete, you're a different character, and, it's, and he had a whole big set of different rules. That, and it's yeah. like, now you can fly, and uh, now your weapon is this, and you die in one hit, and you fire a gun instead of a sword. And uh, it's just, it becomes a different game, and most people will never find it. That's really good. And so we did that with Ziggurat. Uh, We hid hours upon hours of content in that game that no one will ever see. 
No one yeah. will ever see it because somebody can only the, the longest survival time in that game is 27 minutes, and uh, I don't want to say where landmark number number four is, but uh, it's it's pretty far out there in in the deep darkness. So there's there's that. Um, I'm gonna move to our next question. Go for it, man. Which is what question uh, number are we on? I don't know. I'm j- I'm just looking at what time it is. Twelve. I keep forgetting to do my 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 stopwatch, but I just started it. Anyway, I was listening to the music for Evergrace 2 because someone put it on the on the net. Oh, that's that's uh, from software. And that music is so weird. It's just all like uh, over pushed vocal san- samples and weird synths and discordant nonsense. So yeah, uh, yeah good. I was just gonna say I listened to that. I listened to the title screen music you linked to. I was really impressed by how how listenable and weird it was at the same time. I wouldn't classify it as good, but like it was super interesting in, in like a, a most unwanted music sort of a way. Yeah, it's, it, so it's very clear that that composer... I, I listened to some of that composer's other stuff. It's clear that he is doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like that's That was something he wanted to make. This is the kind of music that he likes. And so... I was trying to think of some other examples of video game composition or video game composers or let's just say games that have music that are as weird as that and not in the this is just accidental garbage kind of way but uh, weird stuff. Jeff, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I want to plug a uh, Tumblr website I'm very fond of uh, started by a friend of the community, Eliguro. Uh... Uh, yeah, called, that's a good uh, Tumblr. Yeah, soundsfromtheabyss.tumblr.com, mm. which is yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Just yeah, Brandon, you should check that one out. Oh, all right. Game. Does that just answer yeah. the question right there? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it pretty much does. There's there's a lot of cool stuff on there, and uh, I've I, got a couple of things I want to name check specifically. Um, one of them is, I think it's called the Adventures of Rat Gravity for the NES. Um. Where the, the soundtrack is super, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's very much, um, very, it's very much its own thing. Um, it's very um, hard to listen to. Um, and the other one is a game for MS DOS called Insanity, and it was, it was one of those games where you're, it's, you're, um, they changed the screen mode to like 40 by 25 text mode, and you're a smiley face running around in a maze. Um, and they do all these really avant-garde things with the PC speaker, so you can actually do really interesting sound design with, you know, a, a, a square wave at, at a consistent amplitude. It's just nobody wants to listen to that shit. Um, <laughs> but it's... If you're interested in sound design or interested in, like, if you're a musician or, like, interested in the process of, like, of... of um, Making music, it's super, uh, super interesting to listen to, and that's gonna be hard to come by. I, I found a video of it once on YouTube, and then it got deleted. So that might be a harder one to, to get an example of. Oh man, is it on like the one of those uh, archives or something? I bet you can get the game itself on like. Does Home of the Underdog still exist? Something like that, if it does. Yeah, it, I think it does. It should exist. Um... Okay, well, we can move on to the next question, then, since we've basically answered it. Uh, Soundsfromtheabyss.tumblr.com. All right, yeah, let's, let's, go, go let's go to there. Uh, edutainment generally is terrible. It's uh, 
they they have a game part and a learning part, and kids usually hate both. Uh, but it seems like it should be possible to teach people certain kinds of things through video games, like, say, uh, history. You could get people through a historical event in a somewhat compelling way, but then you've got issues of, like... Uh, rewriting history and you don't really want them to be able to do that because you want them to learn what actually happened. So what what would you th- all think would actually make a good edutainment game and in, in what field of study? Um, JFK Reloaded comes to mind. A video game which was about which scored you uh, in the role of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald mm-hmm. on how accurately you could uh, replicate the shot that killed John F. Kennedy. So you get so any historical game which gives you points for historical accuracy mm, might be yeah. a good one. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. It's, so if you die in Oregon Trail, that's actually the win condition. Yes. Yeah. Oregon Trail actually is, a, I think, a, one of the best examples of a successful educational game um, because it, it's, it's really more about I mean, it it has a lot of information in it, but it's really more about generating an interest in the um, in that topic, uh, and it it pretty successfully puts you in the shoes of these people and and shows you what it's like to to live that life. Um, I guess I didn't really learn anything from that though, and I feel like my interest in that period came more from uh, Clint Eastwood than it did from Oregon Trail. No, yeah, I, I think, think uh, Oregon Trail maybe if you were. Uh... If you were younger or older when you played it the first time, maybe it would have inspired an interest, maybe. But what it did was it just took uh, some historical realities and somehow turned them into a compelling game contest. And uh, it was just all about atmosphere. Maybe if the graphics had been better, maybe if... uh, There were remakes of that game that didn't really help it. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I'm, I must say though that in in terms of a game that aimed to tell you something and was trying to be fun, it did a good job of trying to be fun. Definitely, like it was a it was a cool mechanic and idea that I hadn't seen before, and I enjoyed playing it. But I didn't learn a dang thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids sure were excited about going to the computer lab to play it. Yeah, and. Uh, the game sure did was pretty hard about its uh, its fail states. Like yeah. it would, you could achieve failure pretty quickly by by dying uh, or by making a decision that involved you not reading the text. Yeah. You know, so right. there was at least that, and it was funny to die because you're like you you're you know you're dead. Oh, that's pretty funny. And then it's like the the computer lab class ends for the day, and you're like, man. I died in Oregon Trail this morning. That sucked, you know. And you're just thinking about it, kind of like a, you know, I didn't have, I, I couldn't play sports, so I was, uh, I was too, uh, too much of a jerk to play sports. I would like to see uh, um, something like Oregon Trail, but taking taking that ethos and applying it to something like trench warfare in World War One. Like if someone yeah. did a Oregon Trail style adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front, I think that would. Um, that would really blow some minds, and it would probably never be allowed in the curriculum, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, there were there were games that 
I mean, right up until the NES era and, and through that, and I mean, there was even crap like Mario is Missing uh, on the Super Nintendo, there were games that tried to uh, actually be educational but also be well-made video games until at some point, I don't know, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Street Fighter, uh, video games just got this this crushing reputation as being stupid toys for uh, that made kids dumber, and it's like, yeah. I don't feel like that at all. I feel like I learned a bunch of stuff from Final Fantasy. You know, I played Final Fantasy 4, and uh, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to joke around. I played the heck out of that game, and uh, I read the whole story, and it just made me think it was really weird, and I told my dad about it, and uh, he's like, you should read these John Carter books. John Carter, you know, and uh, yeah. I'm like, Maybe I should, and I got into stuff that way, you know, and I got into, I mean, I'm sitting right here, you know, I have I have a collection of 1960s sort of adventure novels just kind of sitting right by my, just on a stack, you know, I don't know if you can see that, I just got a bunch of these weird ones, like, sitting by my, on my bookshelf here, I mean, I still read this stuff today, so I got into stuff like that through playing games like Final Fantasy, and it was because the game was, uh, Almost, I mean, I almost want to say first and foremost, and I've never really thought about this until now, but first and foremost, those early Final Fantasy games and those early RPGs were about having their own internal historical consistency. They were about being stories, Mm -hmm. you know? They were about kind of teaching you morals and stuff. Not really morals, but I don't know. They were were about kind of... Be, they were about being about something, you know, and games well, kind of lost that. I would argue that every work, every every piece of pop culture that you consume is teaching you things, whether um, you want it to or not. Exactly, yeah. whether whether the lesson is a good one or not, whether the creator put any thought into it or not. Um, I feel like now they're tr- they're almost putting thought into not teaching you stuff. Well, they're certainly like making the art. Like I think it was, I think it was. Jerry Bruckheimer, who was making the mm-hmm. excuse for his movies that oh, I'm making, I'm making movies for 14-year-old boys, um, but really, like, if you're making art for young people, that actually means you have more responsibility. Yeah. So it's yeah. He he said that, and uh, uh, I remember Michael Bay saying something similar about the Pearl Harbor movie. He's like, well, if it's getting kids interested and. In, World War Two. It's like, yeah, but was it? And now they're making those Transformers movies. What what does that teach anybody? You know. So I mean, I feel like I learned a lot of stuff, and uh, I at least got more curious about interesting things. And I feel like I'm a tiny bit smarter because I played the original Legend of Zelda on the, the Nintendo, and I got all the way through it by myself. And I feel like that was, god darn it, I feel like that was an educational experience. Because uh, we need another Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, the movie, you mean? Like, yes. the movie that, uh, that gets kids interested in that level of science and all that? Yeah. Exactly. Although it's not, yeah, bro. Too, it's not too hard to get kids interested in dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> dinosaurs are so cool. So, all right, I guess it's time maybe now for our lightning round. All right. Oh, hey, let's go for it. Um, so this is actually, it was an idea of Jaffe's that I populated with my own uh, subjects here. The name of the game is... Uh, it doesn't have a name. Basically, you have to uh, Make find... Make a name up right now. Uh, opposite day. All right. <laughs> um, you have to find 
the polar opposite of whatever game title I'm going to tell you uh, as as quickly as possible. And uh, it may perhaps be helpful for us to come up with some... Uh, I, I guess it should be opposite either mechanically or thematically. One of those two ways. So, so not just the, the literal title. Not just yeah. the title, but uh, something that... But it could be... if. If it's if the title if the game isn't compelling enough you could you could just go for the title if you want to because it might be fine. Anyway, uh, are you ready to begin? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, game number one is Tetris. The opposite of Tetris. The opposite of the title or the opposite of the game? The, the game. game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Tetris. well, uh, I would say uh, Sim City. Because you're building a city and uh, you're seeing only your successes, uh, whereas in Tetris you only see your failures. Yeah, sure. That. That's that's acceptable. I was thinking maybe like uh, uh, Puzzle Bobble because you're shooting stuff up instead of stuff falling down. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was thinking something like Diplomacy, where uh, Tetris is purely about spatial reasoning. Uh, diplomacy is purely about social reasoning. Sure, that works as well. I was thinking um, about hatress because the opposite of flocks are hats. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's a ding uh, dong right there. Okay, uh, Pokemon. Oh, uh, the Pokemon. Oh. Yeah, Pokemon. Do you mean gold, silver, red, blue, ruby, sapphire, black, white, X, Y? Oh. Um, I'm gonna say Dragon Quest One. Uh, where instead of catching them all, you're just going around and killing them all with no actual relation to the monsters other than <laughs> fighting. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty game. good. I think that one game where uh, you uh, you have a bunch of animals and you have to set them free into the wild. I think that's the one. Oh, <laughs> Animal Crossing, where as opposed to the animals being your subordinates, they are your... Uh, they're your uh, peers. You have to uh, socialize among them. They determine your life as opposed to you determining theirs. Mm-hmm. I think Dragon Quest One is a pretty good example. It is. Um, eco. Oh, eco, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Um, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which is about a companion who never shuts up. There you go. <laughs> oh yes. That's true. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, all right then. How about Sonic Two? Sonic Two. Uh, Sonic Four, because it's like Sonic Two, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say the opposite of Sonic Two is Guitar Hero, because in Sonic Two, uh, Sonic is slavishly uh, Tails is slavishly following your every move. And in Guitar Hero, you're slavishly following a song that somebody else did. Okay. I was thinking about mm. something where you go real slow uh, <laughs> on purpose, but I don't know what sort of so, game that is. Play, a play-by-mail game? <laughs> yeah. Internet chess. Words with friends. But there's no there's no benefits going slower. Well, well, I mm. guess Sonic 2 is about moving fast uh, virtuosically, and you could say a game such as Octodad, where you're moving slowly, uh, very oh, clumsily. Yeah. Could yeah. be it. Yeah, Maybe the opposite of Sonic 2 is Quop. Quop. 
Yeah. Quantic. I like that one. Quantic. That's probably it. Okay. That's probably it. Uh, Cool Spot. Oh, Uncool Spot would be that one. Yeah. (laughs) The opposite of Cool Spot. So the least, um, the least marketing, uh, marketing bent game. Uh, the game that is most within its own vision, maybe. Something uh, the worst selling game. Yeah. Uh, so, something like Journey, but uh, with its head a little bit more of its own bump. Uh, yeah. Probably Passage. Passage, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Man, Cool Spot. We've never talked about it, but uh, yeah, Cool Spot's a real bad game. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty horrible. Like all the games of that style. Um, right. Doom. Doom. Hmm, not gloom. No. no. Uh, the opposite of doom. Um, uh, it, I, I guess, uh, are, are there games where you're like the king of hell and you're fighting guys who are trying to storm it? Oh, that, uh, yeah, that, kind that of. Dungeon Batman guy. Yeah, yeah and that this too. Guy. Yeah. This guy. I guess that'll do it. Right. Um, Farmville. Blah, blah, blah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Farmville. Let's Farm- do it. I'm thinking. The opposite of Farmville. So I'm thinking. Instead of a game that you pay not to play, it's a game that they pay you not to play. <laughs> yeah. A game you are paid. So, like. Um, well. Let's see. I, I guess Stega, I the... you can't you can't play Outrun to uh, you can't play Outrun online anymore. So that's a game that you may have played. No, I guess you can still re-download it. So never mind. That doesn't wow. work. Re-download. What, what were you saying, Jim? Um, I was just trying to remember the crops that the U.S. government was paying people not to grow. Oh yeah, I think it was can't corn at some point. There's so much corn in this country. Yeah, they got a lot of corn. Do you know corn has more uh, carbohydrates in it than well, uh, bread? What, what yes. game is the most about instant gratification? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. God of War. Yeah. Every that's button you press one. results in every single thing in the world uh, kind of jiggling. and If you press it at the right time in the right direction, there's a snap that uh, momentarily uh, refreshes your... your uh, steadiness thirsty brain where uh, you you want something to be steady for a second or an instant so there you go that's that's your instant gratification that sounds good how about minecraft minecraft uh the earth defense force because you're blowing buildings up and they're exploding into squares yeah i like it i like it you also do that in iron soldier and they're definitely just squares in that game there's a bunch of big old boxy boxes yeah Uh, okay, uh, Frog Fractions. Frog Fractions? Yeah, opposite of Frog Fractions. Uh, Frogger! Frogger Frogger. is the opposite of Frog Fractions. It's got Uh, a frog in it. Because it's... Yeah. It's a game that's about a frog, but what you see is exactly what you get. Mm -hmm. There you go. But then that's not an opposite, because a frog is not an opposite of a frog. It's true. Okay, well then, uh, let's say Toter. Hungry, hungry hippos. No, wait a minute. <laughs> it has to be something where you're shooting food into the mouth of an animal instead of the animal 
No, wait, that wouldn't even be right. Shooting food out of the mouth of an animal is just Super Mario oh, World. Yeah, Yoshi's, Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island. Oh, but yeah, he's not shooting see. it out of his mouth. But he can spit enemies out of his yeah, mouth. Yeah, he spits enemies out. So I'm, think I'm thinking only the beginning of Frog Fractions, because that's the, the public-facing part of the game. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and and lastly, which... Uh, well, I'll, I'll just say my thing after. Lastly, Ziggurat. Ziggurat? Ooh, the opposite of Ziggurat. Oh, man. Uh, E.T. for 2600, because you're inside of a thing that is an inverted triangle. <laughs> uh, you're at yeah. the bottom, and you're trying to get out. Wait, but that's probably not the best possible answer. Uh, so I would say a traditional tower defense game. Uh, no, that's like, not the uh, exact opposite. It's not the opposite. Hmm. It, it like I guess uh, Anomaly Warzone Earth yeah, might yeah. be the opposite because it's a traditional tower offense game. So traditional tower a, a game uh, for. The- for the PlayStation 2 era that was inverting the fight off aliens by having you play the invading aliens. I don't remember what it was called though. Hmm. They made one of those for the Wii with a space invaders theme. Um, Wii. Hmm. Wii. I think my phone is uh Yeah. Uh my phone isn't working. That's I was man. first. I, I don't know. This is a really hard one. Yep. Well, I guess if Tim uh, can't come up with the answer. Space Station Silicon Valley for the Nintendo 64. I'm thinking, so the when I think of the marquee features of Ziggurat, I think of it as having one level, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there's uh, it's a game nobody will ever beat, mm-hmm. which I like that, uh, but it's a game which plateaus... The difficulty plateaus. At, I'm not going to say exactly how many minutes, but at a certain number of minutes in, it, it plateaus. Uh, and uh, you have to restart the whole game every time you die. I don't know. It's it's pretty much the opposite of so many little things that I just don't like. It's 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 yeah, there's it sounds no kind one... of like the opposite of modern AAA games. Yeah, it's just it's uh, the opposite of Call of Duty. Opposite of Call of Duty. Call of Duty's got some good defend uh, King of the Hill zones. I mean, Ziggurat's just a... What if we made a whole FPS that was one King of the Hill level was the original idea to the original Ziggurat game. Which is still in development, by the way. Don't tell anybody that. It's a secret. <laughs> what if we well, made... I think, I think we got close. It's one of them... It's going to be one of them AAA... I mean, I guess we could just choose a bad one and say something like... Uh, what was that Tecmo one? Quantum called? Theory? Quantum Theory. What, what a terrible name for a game. Quantum Theory is what it could be the opposite of. And Did the you reason have that game on the 360? I used to. I think I sold it for like $5 at one point. I should get it again. I played halfway through it. But yeah, I was I was thinking about that. When, when Jeff, you suggested this topic, I thought it was a good idea because um, you mentioned that uh, to, to Ryan that you thought that I made the kinds of games that I wanted to play, and you made the kinds of games uh, based on things that you hate. You made the kinds of games that yeah, uh, yeah. W- were a reaction to things you dislike. Uh, yes. I so. was just playing that uh, uh, Blacklight Retribution free-to-play FPS uh, for yeah. PlayStation 4 today, yeah. and 
just sitting there the whole time and I played it online against some kids and it's like you know if you die you can revive yourself immediately if you have like these revival injections that's their free to play mechanic so otherwise a triple A FPS and I'm just like the whole time I'm like yeah video ball is a lot better so I would rather play, would rather play video ball than this. And it's like... More just, like action rebuttal entertainment. Heck yeah. Rebutton. There's, just a, there's a, just a whole bunch of stuff that I'm just... Like, that Blacklight Retribution is like the opposite of everything in video ball. Uh, but I mean, it's still the core thing. You know, you sit down, you fire up your console, and you have a good time playing this game against some dudes, you know? It's still the same deal, but it's, uh, uh, all the the tiny decisions are reversed. So, I guess that's our podcast there. Wow! Yeah, Jeff, you make a buzzer noise. (laughs) Wow! That was good. Solid. That was was something. I want to say... uh, Oh, I want, I want to say a thing before we, we end the show. I just want to say that we're having uh, this Sunday at, uh, at, at 1.30 p.m. Pacific. We are having the Video Ball Bowl at my house. The Video Ball Bowl. Video Ball Bowl. It is the championships of Video Ball. And uh, we're just going to determine who's a champion and who's not. And uh, then we're going to watch the Super Bowl at my house. So if you're in the area, come on by. Also, uh, you all should, if you're in the East Coast, you should come out and visit Video Ball and my game Gunsport at the Indicade East Esports Showcase. Indicade East. Indicade East Esports Showcase. And that would be a cool thing you could do if you felt like it. It'll be oh, at the Museum I, of the Moving Image. On oh, and I also wanted to say Monday. that t- tomorrow in uh, New York City, uh, Brooklyn actually, uh, at the, uh, the the venue Death by Audio, they're having a, a NYU is having a party event called Deathmatch by Audio, and uh, you will be able to play video ball there all night long, from about 6 p.m. till about 2 a.m. You'll be able to play video ball there on a real big screen and uh, have a real good time. And we put some new colors in there, so nothing colorblind people shouldn't have anything to complain about anymore. Hopefully. I'll oh, send you, you guys, some screenshots, Jack. I just thought of the game that's the opposite of Frog Fractions. Oh, what is it now? It's the version of Frog Fractions back when it had a tutorial. Ah. Oh. Oh, there you go. Man. That's it. That would have been miserable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I know that. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so this has been the Insert Credit Podcast. You can follow us on the Facebook page. Which is I don't know what Facebook.com slash slash IC podcast slash IC podcast yeah and uh, you, can, you can you can get these episodes on uh, podcast.insertcredit.com and you can follow us all on the tweets uh, I'm at Necrosofty Tim's at 108 um, Jim is at Mogwai underscore poet and uh, Jaffe is at Alex Jaffe. And ask me who would win in a fight questions. And he really wants you to ask him who would win in a fight questions, although uh, he you didn't really like mine. When I <laughs> asked you who, mine was who would who would win in a fight, Rowdy Roddy Pizza or Hulk Hoagie. 
<laughs> I gave you a good answer to that. I said that RRP has pizza power, but I'm holding out for a hero spelled G-Y-R-O till the end of the night. Yeah, but I could tell you didn't like it because you answered two other who would win in a fights that came after mine before no, you answered been, mine. He could have just been thinking. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, consideration. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening to our podcast and uh, whatever now you're playing with podcasts or something. Now, N-W-P-W-P. Wait, N-Y-P-W-P. Uh, okay. Podcast so, over, yeah! Yeah, do it. Just get it over. Podcast over, yeah! Do you guys want to hear the questions that I cut? I cut three questions. Yes. Hey, why the heck not? Um, one of them was that I, I was playing some NES games because I got an NES working, and I finally played some of those games that I've been purchasing. Uh, or that I purchased, like, a couple years ago. And, man, so many of them feel so old. Like, even I was I was even trying to play uh, Shatterhand, and it just, it's slow, and it's kind of plodding, and th- there's lag from me pressing a button to something happening. And I was going to ask, I, this was more of a question for when both Tim and Frank were on the show, is to recommend me some NES games that don't feel like they were made 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, have, do you have Kabuki Quantum Fighter? I don't have that. Kabuki Quantum Fighter is uh, made, by, made by HAL Laboratory, yeah. uh, which is uh, Satoru Iwata, uh, the guy who's now the CEO of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really think that game still feels pretty modern. Do you have Sunsoft Batman? I don't have the Batman... Sunsoft Batman is a weird game. Uh, it's the least Batman-like thing you could possibly imagine, but it's it's pretty good. Uh, I've got the one for the PC Engine, but I think it's different from that. Oh, it's it's totally totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have? I I think Demon Sword, man. Demon Sword is good. I don't remember if I have that. I'll check. I may have it because I I remember you recommended it a few times. Yeah. It's it's a sort of. Uh, it's a sort of a Legend of Kage-like action-adventure, where it's mm-hmm. more of an adventure. It's a longer story with some backtracking. Clash at Demon Head by Vic Tokai is uh, a really weird one that a lot of connoisseur people still talk about today. And uh, it's a very PC Engine-like game, I think. It doesn't feel like an NES game, and it doesn't really feel old. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've expressed this in some forms before, but uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 it definitely feels uh, oh, yeah. feels better than any video game I've ever played since. Yeah, I feel like the first-party Nintendo stuff of that era old holds up pretty well. Yeah, they they had a standard of quality. They had a really strict standard back yeah. then, which nobody else had. I just don't have a, a big affinity for that stuff. I believe that Super Mario Brothers 3 is probably the, the best answer, but I don't... Um... It's, I don't it's, have it or feel like buying it. If you ever stumble into a copy of, of it, check it yeah. out. It's it's really good. But uh, uh, some other ones that don't feel old. So you thought Shatterhand felt old? Yeah, and I was surprised because when I first play it, I was played it. I was like, hey, all right, this this game kind of doesn't feel like the super um like we're trying as hard as we can to make this screen refresh kind of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but then I, I, I don't know, I played it a couple nights ago, and I was like, eh. It has okay. a... It's got nice it has animation some and stuff. technical virtuosity in it, but yeah, yeah it's, oh, it does. it's not super spectacular. Um, if you can find the game Low G Man, do you have Low G Man? I do have Low G Man, uh, and that that's an interesting one. I haven't I haven't really gotten to play it yet. I oh. I watched Eric John play it for a while. Oh, I'd say check that one out. It's pretty cool. It it feels good. I've got Vice Project Doom, which I haven't loaded up yet. Oh yeah, Vice Project Doom. I like that one a lot too. Uh, I like the the Rolling Thunder port for NES, even though I know it's not very, it's not great. It's not as good as Rolling mm. Thunder two or three for Genesis, yeah. which are two of my favorite games. Yeah, I've got, games. I've got uh, Rolling Thunder on uh, JAMA arcade board and two and three on the Genesis, so I think I'm covered there. So I would actually recommend Street Fighter 2010. Oh yes. Fight. I actually I like that. I liked that game when I was yeah that was one of the few games I did play when I was younger and uh, I just don't own it right now. Yeah, I'd recommend the heck out of that one. Uh, yeah. it's it's really really stupid and it's really great. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, so but, uh, then what else is there? There's there's a whole bunch of games that are really good. Um, right, guys, I would. I have, to, I have to head off. Oh, you gotta go. Oh, you do. Yeah. All yeah, right. I mean. Uh, sorry, cool. I have to leave early, but it's uh, it's time. Do you have an NES recommendation oh. for Brandon? Uh, I probably would have recommended head. Mario Three. Yeah, it seems, Mario Three it is the seems best like game. the one. Uh, okay, I also really favorite. think it's Zelda cool. holds, not... first Zelda holds up. Um, it's got some weird shit in it, but it's still really good. I love the first Zelda. I play through it once a year or so. I so don't don't worry, you're not leaving early because this is the post podcast thing. Okay, cool. So. So you're, you're you're within your rights to leave. So okay. thanks for coming, and we'll yeah, see you later. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say my controversial opinions about uh, some more NES games. Uh, I yeah. would say, Brandon, you've played Rondo of Blood, and yeah. you have Rondo of Blood. I got it. I would say you're okay to skip every Castlevania game on the console. Uh, yeah. I would say you're okay to skip them all. And some people will try to tell you that there's some good stuff about... Simon's Quest, or there's some good stuff about Castlevania 3, but it's like, man, no, there, there's... If you've got Rondo of Blood, you've got the essence of it, kind of. Yeah, you know. I definitely didn't like anything but the atmosphere of those games every time I tried them. I did like the atmosphere, yeah. though. And uh, I would say you can skip those Contras, because that's got, again, those feel old, because yeah. the screen refresh, and... Uh, yeah. I'd say almost everything Konami got done, like, Konami really did everything better on the uh, Super Nintendo. Yeah, so, they they figured it out in the 16-bit era. Yeah, it's almost as though that console was god darn made for them. Like all, it's it almost feels like. So yeah, you can skip those. Uh, man, I really I, I really want to do an NES uh, podcast, but you could you could play a bunch of games first. I could give you a list of what games you should <clears> play. I have but, I uh, have a bunch of games, and I could play them first. One one of the frustrating things, and it kind of bothers me that people are nostalgic for this. One of the frustrating things is how infrequently that goddamn thing's thing works. Mm-hmm. And you gotta you gotta blow into it and you gotta shake They're it. They're like, ha, 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 it's so cool. And that's not like nobody should be nostalgic for inconvenience. That's it, it's like are people gonna be uh, nostalgic for when uh, when energy systems gated them out of content? I hope so if they if they like blowing on NES cartridges. <laughs> so that uh, top loader NES works real well though. Yeah, that's that's the like one 100% that I, of the time that I should some, have. But there I are some questions in the uh, chat. 
I had two more two more questions that I cut. If you just oh yeah hear. yeah let's hear them. Yeah, let's um, let's kick it up. One was since Nintendo has announced that they're going to have a division within their company that will make apps for smartphones that drive people to Nintendo products, which sounds like basically an ad or a Pokedex or something. Um, yeah. The the question was design a Nintendo made app that will make everyone happy, which is what they're going to have to try to do. Like their investors, uh, their fans, and their potential customers. And uh, you don't have to answer that, but I thought that would be funny to talk about. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like uh, if you put the original, if if you if you do a Kickstarter worthy get the band back together on the original Super Mario Brothers, and have yeah. those guys make an endless runner, yeah, iOS. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not even me being nostalgic about Mario. It's 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 almost as though if I sat down, I could scientifically prove that no games about running and jumping feel anywhere near as good. About, as uh, the old Super Mario games do. So it's like, if they would just make a Super Mario running and jumping game and then somehow tie that in... <coughs> God darn it! And then somehow tie that into uh, one of their Mario games on their dumb console. Man, you know what? And uh, I mean, I'm not just having this opinion to be, uh, to be cool. I think that Wii use a really cool system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play. I actually play mine, whereas my other consoles, I just kind of use them to watch Netflix on. Yeah, so. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't foresee it there being a soon time when I want a Wii U uh, myself. Yeah, I, I only got one for that Mario. Yeah. And then I got more of them because I got a couple other games because you had it. Yeah, and then that they roped me in with that. So then my last question was going to be... These these questions actually would have been good for the future, but whatever. Um, was... Uh, so, you know, Frank doesn't... He doesn't own a lot of games, and he prefers to just have them on the flashcard, but he owns all of those Vegas games. And yeah. you don't own a lot of physical games because you don't really want to, but you started to rebuild your PS2 and Genesis collection. And oh, so, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I, I was curious. I'm curious to know everyone's criteria for when keeping the physical object is desirable, and that that actually might be fun to talk about well, in a future podcast. They they've all got to be games which only have one of the five vowels in the title, or That's right. games where uh, the number equals the number of syllables in the title. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's right. Uh, so I mean, me and Brandon were in Japan at the same time, and uh, we. Uh, I want to. I, I would get up and show people this, but uh, I'm I, I'm tethered to my microphone on the table. Mm. But uh, I have this shelf. So we were in Japan at the same time, and I had made the decision on the plane over that I was going to buy a bunch of used games. But my criteria would be that they would all be games that I want to display on my bookshelf because they have great box art, but are also great games. So the criteria is they have to be great games with great box art. So we have, uh, here's this one. I, I, I went ahead and in my life I decided I should uh, I should own a Japanese boxed copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 
And so that's what this is right here. Actually, I can get this uh, label off with a hairdryer if I just blow a hairdryer. That's something that you might know if you have ever collected this sort of stuff. Just blow a hairdryer on high heat for like two seconds, and this label just comes off like butter. Uh, I just haven't done that yet. I've had all these sitting on my shelf for like three months now. Uh, I do believe the best game box art we got right here. That's fantasy. For star. Yeah, oh, yeah. I do believe that's pretty good. And I've got all the Shining Forces and Panzer Dragoons, uh, Dragon Quest V. The Dragon Quest V is just a, kind of a, a masterpiece of video game box art. I think that's just an incredible-looking thing. And again, I haven't hair, hair dry blowed off the, uh, the labels yet because I'm just being a jerk and I'm putting it off. I like the I like this lady on the back of the uh, Fantasy Star 2 box. It's a hot lady. I like her gun. See the uh, the inguinals that she's got there? Uh-huh. You get to see her inguinals. If it ain't got inguinals, I don't give a queenals, as they used to say, where I was they from. Loved, they loved saying that there. Yeah, they just they don't stop saying it. It's weird because I don't really I don't understand what the queenals means. Yeah. yeah. 